This is the Bulls on the Birds, episode number two, coming to you from Chester County, where we have a very cold, dark, and wet weekend ahead of us. Yeah, and it's not right. This is May. Come on. (laughs) Well, it is good weather for some post-draft analysis, but before we get into post-draft analysis, let's start with a rapid-fire yes or no. All right, I'm good with that. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard. And the most expensive offensive line in the NFL. Jalen Hurts has enough weapons at his disposal this year. If he still does not produce, we can write him off as our franchise QB by season end. I did not realize our offensive line was the most expensive in the NFL. Yeah, neither did I. Just for this year, but it is this year. Okay. All right. So, yes, Carson Wentz took the Eagles to the doorstep of the Super Bowl with similar talent, and I would say probably less talent Even a than a little less talent than the, the weapons that that than Hertz what we're has seeing now this year. Exactly, yeah, I agree. And he had a few year rough years after that, but much of that could be blamed on the Eagles not putting a team behind him. I agree. So Hertz now has everything in line for him to have that breakout season and for him to prove that he is the future of this franchise. So how how far do you think Hertz needs to take? This team, I mean, if we're comparing him to Wentz okay. and we're saying he has a little more talent than Wentz had at his disposal, Wentz got us to the Super Bowl. Right. You know, it, will it be enough for Hurts to just get us into the playoffs again? No, no. I, I think he's got to get us deep into the playoffs. At a minimum, win a first-round game. Even if we come in as the uh, wild card, we've got to win the wild card game and probably the next game. Yeah, I I, I think we've got, got to go deep into the playoffs for him to really be considered our as our franchise, franchise guy. Yeah, if the not, they're still going to be looking for him. Right, right, because we have put a lot behind that. The no part of that answer is, hey, he's second full year as a starter. The guy's twenty three. Let's be patient with him. But that's not how the NFL works nowadays. So yeah, it isn't. And I think Wentz was what twenty three or so. When yeah, when he, he took, took us to the, the Super Bowl. Bowl. So. Final answer, yes. Yes. Hertz needs to perform or he is not our franchise. Exactly. Okay. So most sports outlets are giving the Eagles draft an A-plus grade and the Cowboys draft a B-minus grade at best. Because of our strong draft, the Eagles should now be the favorite to take the NFC East this year. Yeah, I'm going to go with a no on that. And I do agree we had a very strong draft. I wouldn't give any draft an A+. Plus. Okay. I would give this draft an A. And Cowboys might not have been a B-, minus, but let's say they are a B-. minus. I don't think that's enough with young players coming into starting positions. That's enough to make up the difference between the Cowboys and the Eagles from last year. Okay. What I look at is... What did the Eagles lose, and what did the Cowboys lose? Sure. And the biggest pieces there, Cowboys lost. Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper and Demarcus. Lawrence. Lawrence uh, as an edge rusher. Two really good players. Yeah, top-notch players, so I can see that. Also, what did we gain, and what did the Cowboys gain, either in the draft or pickups? We gained a lot. I think we did really well in the draft. Cowboys did what the Cowboys do. They drafted hogs. Yeah. And that's always been a winning formula, especially for them. So I expect their O-line, D-line to be top-notch again. I don't know that we've picked up enough to make a difference. 
I think it's enough to split with them yeah, in the season one. series one sure, and one. Sure. But I don't know that we're going to overtake the Cowboys for first place. In the NFC East. Right. And, and you think, you know, Amari Cooper, I do not think, even if they picked a wide receiver in the first round, they were not replacing Amari Cooper with whoever they picked up. Right. I mean, and Cooper is that good of a player. Yeah. What the Cowboys do have going for them is Gallup is coming back. Right. Off of his ACL tear last right. year. Though even he, I, I doubt, can perform at a level that Cooper was performing. No, I don't at. think so. All right. So Jordan Davis in the first round, Nicobe Dean in the third round this year. Both Georgia Bulldogs, the college football national champions. Now, that follows the pattern of the year before. Devontae Smith in the first round and Landon Dickerson in the second round. Both from the national champions, Alabama Crimson Tide. I like I like that approach so far. Has Howie cracked the draft code by drafting from the SEC? You know, at first thought, I was thinking Howie has not cracked the code. But heck, maybe he has cracked the code. Because that's a winning formula. And if you listen to his interview, he actually let some of that out there. He said it himself. You, you look at great schools... Great like Alabama, players. like Georgia. Yeah, high recruits, high recruits that come into great schools, high programs, and prove themselves there, and they're winners. How can you go wrong with that draft? 2021, he goes two Alabama guys. I think that's two for two. Yeah, two for two, absolutely. Yeah, and two Georgia guys, both defensive guys. I think that it's going to be the best two for defense two without question yeah. in, in the in college football last year. I don't know how you can go wrong there. So I don't know that he's cracked the code. I think he's at least learned from his past mistakes and has learned from experience. So I read an article this week, which was really interesting. And it detailed how, how he tried really hard to keep the possibility of an AJ Brown trade under wraps. As a matter of fact, WIP this week asked him, you know, why did he try so hard to keep the possibility of an AJ Brown trade under wraps and he said not a lot of people were involved and I'll tell you why because just imagine this comes out you guys find out we had AJ Brown but couldn't get a deal gun you guys wouldn't be happy now do you like the fact that the GM of an NFL team has the fans in the back of his mind when he is making his moves you know what? I wouldn't say that's a huge uh, point to consider in the NFL in general. In Philadelphia, it's absolutely it kind of feels right. In yeah, yeah, it's a, a huge point to consider. You put that out there. Number one, that that creates a no win situation. You sign AJ Brown. It's like, all right, well, we you know we gave up these draft picks, and that's what you should have done. You don't sign him. It's like, oh, it's another deal. How he couldn't close or something. Yeah. So I think he did a great job of keeping it under wraps. I had no idea. Yeah, I had no clue when they I, went when AJ Brown's name came up, and we weren't the ones picking. Yeah, in the yeah. 15 spot. I was so trying. I I thought I think it was a great move, and you know what? I think it showed a little foresight and uh, a little research on how he's end. You look at the number of wide receivers taken in the draft. We talked about the wide receivers might be high value but it was yeah at a premium but it was might be not definitely you know there are obviously six teams that were or so that were looking for a high wide receiver draft pick and i would take a 
proven three-year wide receiver, Pro like Bowl AJ guy, Brown. like A.J. Brown, over a question mark for draft pick. Yeah, I agree. No matter how much confidence I had in that draft pick. So, um, yeah, it's it's tough to keep that under wraps. I think Howie did a great job of it, and I think he was smart for keeping it under wraps and, and not letting that get out there. One of the needs that was not addressed in this draft, which every Eagles fan knew needed to be addressed, was our secondary. We're talking safety. We're talking cornerback. We didn't pick up either. And one of the names that was being floated for a free agency pickup was the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew of the Kansas City Chiefs. But just in this week, Tyron Matthew is going to the Saints, $33 million for three years. Yes or no, we missed out on signing Tyron Matthew. Yes, we did miss out on signing him, but no, I don't think we missed out on, on that opportunity. I'm, I'm glad we didn't sign him. And I mean, you could look at us signing AJ Brown for 25 million a year, uh, 100 million for four years, and possibly look at Tyron Matthew and say, Hey, it's a value pick, only 11 million. Right. For a right. pro bowler like him. Exactly. But so I, I think he's shown some aging. Yeah. I, I don't like that we didn't address safety or cornerback in the draft, and I'd, I'd like to hope that there's something out there behind the scenes that, that we're looking at. So I'm not happy about that, but I, I would not have been, and especially if we had to give up some draft picks, I would not have been happy about a Tyron Matthew um, acquisition. acquisition. And I know that's not going to be a popular a popular stance, but you know what? Our history with a drafting wide receivers, B picking up cornerbacks has not been great. So it really hasn't. We've done a decent job of drafting cornerbacks and actually coaching them. Yeah. And we lost a couple this year, which I think is evidence that we do a good job of coaching them up to their position. So let's keep doing that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so so essentially the argument is Tyron Matthew historically has been a great player, but right. you don't think he presents the same value as he did maybe five years ago. Exactly. Good point. Absolutely. So Brandon Graham went down last season in week two with a torn Achilles tendon. In interviews this week, he repeatedly stated that he wants to be the comeback player of the year. But there have also been some reports coming out of the Novacare complex that he isn't quite in football shape yet. So do you believe Brandon Graham will be the comeback player of the year? I believe anything Brandon Graham says, because I think Brandon Graham puts his mind to something. He will achieve it. I think he's shown that. Now, that being said, tough injury to come back from. Yeah, it is a really tough injury to come I back I mean, the, the one thing that sticks in my mind is Ryan Howard in Game 7 of the World Series swinging yeah, a bat right. and tearing his Achilles, and, and that, that basically ended, ended his, his career. Uh, exactly. He goes from being a perennial contender for the MVP yeah. to 57 home runs a year really and struggling. You know, just a 10-year uh, record that was unprecedented, and that just that changed him as a ball player. And I can't imagine how much more it is, you know, for an edge rusher or a D-end. Yeah, where you're just um, constantly exploding yeah. off your ankle. So I hope he can do it, and I think if anyone can do it, Brandon, Brandon Graham, Graham can. can do it. And I think he's, you know, thinking, hey, I'm going to go out with a bang, and this is going to be it. But 
Um, I, I, I hope he does. Yeah, I hope he does too. And I would love to see that. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, DB. Excellent yes or no section. Let's get right. into some of our main show topics. So first we're going to go through individually each of the Eagles' pick, starting with Jordan Davis. We took him round one. He's the 14th pick overall. Defensive tackle out of Georgia. And they traded up to get him because they knew the Ravens were slotted to take him. So they traded to get right in front of the Ravens to get Davis. And Davis is something of a freak of nature. He's six foot six, 340 pounds, and in the 40-yard dash, he ran a 4.78. That's unreal. At that size, that's unbelievable. <laughs> to give you a little context, Jalen Hurts, who is known as a dual-threat QB who makes his living by running, yeah. only ran a 4.59. <laughs> so you're talking about a 346-foot-six lineman running almost – on par with a dual threat QB. I would hate that guy coming down on me if I'm a quarterback. <laughs> For sure. And as a matter of fact, he's in the record books now. He is the fastest ever player over 325 pounds to run that 40-yard dash. Well, I would hope so because that's that's, <laughs> that's a, flying at 340. Yeah, that's some speed and you know what he's He's not the most felt guy out there either. No, you know, he really he's carrying isn't. a couple extra lbs. You know, he can That's he probably one of the drop twenty. That have been coming about, coming out about him. Yeah, and I get he that. He might be a little overweight. I get that. And Obviously, I think, that weight isn't slowing him down. No, but. no. But the Eagles, you know what? The Eagles have to keep an eye on that. I love the pick, and I love that they were so aware that they needed that they knew they needed to move up. And who knows if they really had to? But I believe they probably had to. I think they did. I mean, almost every pre-draft analysis that I looked at had the Ravens taking Davis for sure. Right, right. So I think that was a great move by Howie. Um, I don't have a problem giving up a, a first and a third, was it, that we gave up? Yeah. Because I think I think he is that big of a, a difference maker. That'd so I like the move. Uh, I like it. Let's keep an eye on his weight. You know, it, let Put him on the Joel Embiid diet when <laughs> Embiid was coming in a little, you know, eating right. hamburgers and going on whatever Instagram or whatever, showing that he's eating hamburgers every night, McDonald's every night. Um, so let's keep an eye on that. But I think that's a great pick. Yeah, I think so. So with this unprecedented speed for someone as big as he is, I kind of wanted to ask you, how important is speed for a defensive tackle? Yeah, I think it's getting more and more important in today's NFL. Okay, more uh, so than in the past. Yeah, in the past, I think uh, it was more of a run league versus a pass league than the NFL is now. Uh, I think now with being more leaning more towards a pass league, you need some D linemen who can chase a quarterback down, who can uh, get around the line. A lot more uh, dual threat QBs in general now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the change in the quarterback position from Strictly a pure passer where rarely did you have a scrambler. I mean, yeah, you would QB getting out of the pocket was right. relatively rare. Right. And, so, and, and, and if he did, it was uh, a sign of a broken down play. Not exactly. Something right. That was by design. You or, think of Fran Tarkenton, which you might not know that name, but with the Minnesota Vikings, he was no, well known for that. But he didn't have the greatest offensive. He had an unbelievable defensive line, probably the best in the history of football. Didn't have a great offensive line, so he was scrambling for his life. But it was because of a broken down play. It wasn't because right. it, it wasn't was because a design of some play. Some sort of design run or right. Very interesting. So you're saying 
speed at the defensive tackle position, though not necessarily needed in the past, is very much an asset in the in this type of game. More and more so now, absolutely. Cool. Also, you know, Fletcher Cox was slotted to not be signed by the Eagles. Eagles were going to release him. And then in about a week after, it seemed like they were for sure going to release him. It turned out that they signed him to a one-year, I think, $14 million or so contract. Right. Um, do you think the Eagles are looking at Jordan Davis as Fletcher Cox's ostensible replacement? Yeah, and, you know, I hope so. I mean, I, I love Fletcher Cox. I think Jordan Davis is his heir apparent. I, I like the legacy pick, you know, having a guy who is of the caliber of Fletcher Cox, who's brought so much to the game, so much to the Eagles, you know, over the years, and is so beloved by this city. He's a guy yeah, who is really an Eagle. Is. I think I, I think I read something where he's one of three, three, yeah, three Eagles who have been with the Eagles ever since they were drafted. Fletcher, Jason, Kelsey, and Brandon Graham. It's pretty cool. How do you go wrong with those three picks, right? Seriously. And they were three years in a row. And 2010, 11, and 12? 10, 11, and 12, yeah. One, six, and a one. And, uh, you know, there aren't, I don't know how many other guys in the NFL can say they've been with only one team and that team for 10 plus years. So I do think Fletcher Cox's days are numbered. You know, the guy can't be out there four downs <laughs> for, for every, <laughs> but you know what? I, I, the downs that he is in, he absolutely yeah, blows the yeah. lineup. And you know what? I mean, we talked about this earlier, but you can't double team both Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis. So no if way. they're both on the field at the same time, that creates a quad. One of them's going to have a, a single coverage situation where they got a good shot at getting to the quarterback or the running back. So. And, you know, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you about. I mean, granted, okay, Jordan Davis may be Fletcher Cox's replacement, but at least for one year, we have both of them. What is it going to look like when you have both Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox in there? If they're on the field at the same time, it's going to look great. Uh, it very well could be that they're just subbing for each other and <laughs> the two of them share one starting position. High, they high five and yeah. are thankful for the breather. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I, I could totally see that situation, but obviously, you know, if we can't, could have them both on the field at the same time. That would be great because you can't double team both of them, and one no. of them is going to be one on one, and that that's that's a winning situation. It really right is. And, and if you watch Jordan Davis's highlights, I mean, he doesn't just get double teamed. Sometimes he gets triple teamed, and he's yeah. still standing his ground. Yeah. And you know, Cox brings that same type of presence to the NFL. So it looks like a great replacement. Yeah, it really does. And this is one of the things that. I've noticed with the Eagles, and I think it's intentional, it seems to be that they are almost setting up mentorship programs. The Eagles are moving towards, like you said, becoming a younger team rather than an older team. But anytime you become a younger team, it's important to have older teammates who can kind of function as mentors to bring up those younger athletes. And I think this is a great opportunity for a mentorship where you have Fletcher Cox who, again, is going to appreciate the breather that he gets when Davis right. does come in for him. Right. And knows he's in his last year mm -hmm. of playing. Is still going to play to a very high level. Absolutely. Um, but can certainly mentor Jordan Davis and begin to kind of mold him into becoming the next Fletcher Cox for the Eagles. 
Yeah, and I think you've got a couple mentorship situations with the Eagles, and I think that's a credit to the Philadelphia Eagles organization, you know, that they're creating that kind of legacy where you can have a guy coming in who's your heir apparent, and and you've got a guy who's there currently who's willing to yeah, his ego take him under bruised, his wing. Right. Just the opposite. He's yeah. kind of proud that he's going to be able to have a lasting legacy Still right in there. Yeah, I mean, we just heard, we just read this week that uh, Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee, Tennessee. said, Titans "Hey, pick up Malik Willis." Yeah, I, it's not my job to mentor Malik Willis, and you know, I'd be like, "Look, man, if you're a team player, yeah, it is your job." Kind of is, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, and and it, that's not to say that Ryan Tannehill's a bad guy. No, you not know, at all. Three guys we talked about with the Eagles have only been with the Eagles. Tannehill's been around the NFL a couple teams and has played at a high level and probably felt a little uh, slighted like Wentz was when with the us. Eagles picked Hurts pick that Hertz. they picked Malik. Um, so uh, continuing with the comparison between Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox, I found this this was somewhat interesting. I want to see Davis mirror Cox in a lot of ways. I guess this is one concern where I would not want Davis to mirror Cox. Um, <laughs> Jordan Davis, when he played at Georgia, only played of Georgia's defensive snaps in 2021. So are there some endurance concerns, kind of like we see with Cox in that he can play one to two plays really well and then he begins to fade out a little bit and we have to take him out? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a concern. It it frustrated me so much that Fletcher Cox, you know, you'd you'd want him in there third down and whatever, two, three, and Cox is not in the game, and it's like you know he's he's taking a breather on the sideline, and I I almost want to be, you know, like look the the coaches need to step up a bit and say hey guys get him here, in a good enough shape yeah. that 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 isn't an issue. You come here in shape, you know, you're not coming here to get in shape. So that's a little frustrating with Fletcher Cox in the past, and hopefully that's not going to be a problem going into the future. But, yeah, I, I, it is a concern, absolutely. Now, in 38% of that, I don't know what a Georgia's defensive scheme is. Their defensive scheme might have dictated that more than... You know, and that's a great point, and I think you're right. I mean, Georgia was known for being incredibly deep. They didn't just have oh, yeah. five-star recruits yeah. as their starters. They had five-star recruit as their backups as, backups, as exactly. Well. And so I do wonder how much of that is really just all about, look, we have two five-star guys at this position. Let's play one until he's a little gassed. Just take him out. No big deal. And we'll stick our other five-star yep, guy in there. Keep him fresh. Keep him yep. fresh. Because you know the guy on the other side of the ball, the offensive lineman, <laughs> he's he's in there 24-7. He's in there for the whole game. And if you got two guys fresh oh, coming man, at him. It's got to be exhausting. Yeah, no yeah. line would want to go through no, that. No, Exactly. Yeah, so I wonder if the limiting factor there wasn't necessarily Jordan Davis's lack of endurance, but just the defensive scheme that Georgia had. Yeah, I would hope so, but I'm probably a little both. Now, given that Jordan Davis seemed to only be a two-down defensive tackle for Georgia, do you think the Eagles are looking for him to put pressure on the QB, or are they looking for him to fill the role that he filled at Georgia, and that is essentially just stuff the run game? You know, that's a good good question, and I think, again, part of the answer will be how do he and Fletcher Cox work together? Is, is one a replacement for the other? Are they going to be on the field at the same, at the time? same time? If 
they're on the field at the same time, man, that that is going to be tough for offenses because you can't triple team both of them. Yeah, I mean, is there going to be a run game in the NFC East against the Eagles if if Davis and Cox are yeah, on the field? Yeah, I mean, at the same you got time? those two guys inside, and then the edge rushers. I mean, we picked up Hassan Reddick, Reddick Zier White, yeah. Kobe Dean. Yeah, and and right, and some linebackers with some speed. I mean that that is a good run stuffing defense. So I I I like the way it looks. You know, hopefully we can pick up a cornerback and a safety because we we definitely need that. And that's what scares me about this defense is you, you show to an Aaron Rodgers we're going to have to play Green Bay next year. You show uh, to an Aaron Rodgers that the run game isn't going to do anything for him. Yeah, and that you've got a weak. Pass defense, and he's just going to pick your part all night. I don't care who he's thrown to. Total air raid. So most analysts are giving the Eagles' entire draft uh, an A. Give the Eagles' pick of Jordan Davis a grade. I like it. I I think it's an A. I think Howie moving up to make sure he got him, I think that was an A. You know, I would rather him do that than us lose that pick because I think it filled a big need that we have. So uh, I give it an A. Yeah, I do too. I think so. Well, one of the huge surprises of the first round was the Eagles' second pick after they picked Jordan Davis. And it turns out it's not their pick anymore. They've acquired A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans, signed him to a four-year, $100 million deal. The first thing I got to ask is, do you like the move? You know, at, at, at first I was lukewarm to it, but the more and more I thought of it, I'm like, you know, we're terrible at picking wide receivers in a draft. And that is true. I mean, you think we're of, one for four. We're one for four, essentially, right? Devontae Smith was a success. Right. And he should be a success. He's right. coming out from Alabama, exactly. national champion, just like we've been saying. But before that, Jalen Rager right. hasn't worked out. Nope. Arcega Whiteside. Right. Who we picked over DK Metcalf. Exactly. And Nelson Aguilar. Yeah. All first round draft picks for wide receivers who simply just, you know, did not produce anywhere near the level they should have produced at as first round draft Exactly. Picks. So thinking of that, then I was thinking, you know what? We gave up a first and a third, was it? Yep, first and a third. For a guaranteed Pro Bowl wide receiver. Yeah. I'll I'll take that any day of the especially given our track record. Yeah, we were one for four and we just guaranteed we're going one for one. Exactly. By essentially sacrificing a third rounder. Yeah, yeah, because who you're not always going to hit on that first rounder. You aren't. So, but even say, yeah, you're going to hit on that first rounder. All we did was give up a, a three to guarantee that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The other question that's floating around about AJ Brown is, did, did we pay too much? Twenty five million a year. Yeah, and you know what we we may have, but it seems that's the going rate for wide receivers nowadays. I mean, they're divas. Uh, it, it is what it is. Debo Samuel's out there saying, you know, he wants a hundred million for four years. And I was like, all right. So we could have had Debo for a hundred for four, AJ hundred for four. But you know what? I like some of the intangibles of this. Yeah. And that is Jalen Hurts' best friend, AJ. He tried to recruit him to Alabama, was it? Yeah, originally when AJ Brown was coming out of high school, he was looking at various schools in the SEC, and Hurts really wanted him to come to Alabama. He was recruiting them. Ultimately, Brown ended up going to Ole Miss rather than Alabama. Okay, but they remained friends since then, and you know we're we're in close contact. 
So round two, it worked out. Round two, it worked out. <laughs> nice. Yeah. If, if at first you don't succeed, try again. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I like it. I they, obviously they like each other, best friends. Um, so I think you've got an an, an intangible there that's going to help you out. Um, yeah, chemistry then, between yeah, a quarterback and a wide receiver. And you've got a proven pro bowl pro bowl receiver, and they've been working out together. Yeah, yeah. That's hard to beat. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things that have been coming out about AJ Brown that might be a concern is his locker room presence. There were some somewhat damaging reports coming out of the Tennessee Titans organization. So are, are there mentality concerns with Brown, and, and do you think they're overblown? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I don't think there are. I think they are overblown. I think in the – we read about in uh, his response in an article where he said some very favorable things about the – Tennessee Titans. He yeah, said, the way he left the Titans was extremely yeah. classy. I actually have the quote right here. Okay, yeah, let's hear that. And now this is after, you know, he he said that his beef with the Titans was simply he thought he had a value that was worth, you know, $25 million a right. year or so. And Tennessee said, uh, no, you know, you're worth less than that. And even after getting that response, he says, I have no bad blood with the Titans. They believed in me. They drafted me. They got my career started. You know what? And that that's great. They gave him an opportunity. Yeah, and that's as classy as it gets. And he, exactly. he took advantage of the opportunity. Exactly. Right? He's a pro and, bowler, putting up awesome stats every year. Right. And you know what? The Tennessee Titans were probably right. For them and their system, A.J. Brown's not worth $25 million that's a really a year good to point. them. I mean, they they are a, a running offense right. with Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry would be worth $25 million a year <laughs> to them, but a wide receiver would not, I don't, no matter who it is. It could be Jerry Rice. He wouldn't be worth $25 million a year to the Tennessee Titans. That's a really good point. And, I mean, you have Ryan Tannehill, who's a good passer, but he's right. not an elite passer. Right. And then you also, you know, their head coach is Mike Vrabel, who wasn't he the defensive coordinator under, under Belichick. Bill, Bill Belichick. Yep. So he's probably more defensively minded yeah. to begin with. So, you know, he might not necessarily be looking for this air raid offense that's just going to put yeah, up. Yeah, they're they're not valuing that. And, man, the way they control a ground game with Derrick Henry, the guy's just a beast. You can see why a wide receiver wouldn't be as valued by them. So A.J. Brown's value is $25 million. He just wasn't $25 million to the Tennessee Titans. And you can see why. Yeah. I think also, you know, just the fact that A.J. Brown has a long-standing friendship with Jalen Hurts. You know, you look at a, a guy like Jalen Hurts, and he's young, but uh, even being as young as he is, he's clearly a great leader. Right. He's a coach's kid. Coach's kid, character guy. Character guy. Mm-hmm. He's got a good head on his shoulders. It's hard for me to imagine that Hurts remains friends with A.J. Brown if A.J. Brown is... A locker room problem. A or, locker room yeah, problem. Someone just you have not to worry a character about. guy. Exactly. Yeah, I, and I agree with you 100%. That doesn't seem to me to be who uh, Jalen Hurts. And knowing that they're FaceTiming, yeah. you know, when that happened. Yes, and yes. I, I mean, they were like giggly, like high school teenagers, <laughs> you know, that, that they're they're going to be together. So, yeah, I, I, I love it. I think it's great. And, uh, you know, their chemistry is obviously really good. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say, in more interviews that A.J. Brown had this week, he got asked a question about Devontae Smith. Basically, look, you're a pro bowler. Devontae Smith had an amazing rookie season, but you're coming to the Eagles organization as a proven commodity in the NFL. You know, Should you be wide receiver number one? And his response to that was, 
quote, we just need to get to work and get everyone on the same page and work together. It's not about one person in this game. The team is what it's all about. Now, even if he's lying out his teeth and he knows he's wide receiver number <laughs> right. one, I still got to imagine you have to have a pretty profound level of self-awareness yeah. to be able to answer that question in that manner. Absolutely. Could you imagine someone like... T.O.? Terrell Owens <laughs> answering that question in such no, a way. No, no way. Said, so, of course I'm number one. Why would you? T.O.'s here, baby. <laughs> Tell me the ball. Who's the other guy? <laughs> so, all those things bode well for AJ Brown's character. Absolutely, and I think you said before he's a year older than Devonta. Yeah, Smith. he's only a year older, even though he's been in the league for yeah. years. Yeah. So, I mean, it shows an incredible amount of maturity. And you know what? Devontae Smith also showed an incredible amount of maturity in saying that he's he, he can learn a lot from A.J. Brown. So I like that. He really um, did. So do you think with A.J. Brown, you know, if it isn't this, he's this egomaniac, why do you think some of these reports about A.J. Yeah. Brown are coming out of the Titans organization? Where are they coming from? You know what? I I look at that a lot. An analogy is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler was with the Sixers. You know, they're like okay. Jimmy Butler. You know what? He's not a great locker room guy. Yeah, there's so many people. reports came out about. Yeah, and I'm like, you he's know, putting Ben Simmons down or Ben Simmons can't can't be yeah. himself. How in does the that look room. in retrospect? The guy's a genius. <laughs> if that's what he's thinking. Oh man, Ben hasn't played in two years. He's too soft. No, you know what? Jimmy Butler's a guy who wants to win. Tom Brady's a guy who wants to win. Yes. And what they're bringing to the locker room is, hey, listen, this is the standard. I'm upholding the standard. You need to uphold the standard as well. And you know what? If you're going to get a bad rap for that, then then your your team's too soft. Yeah. So I love that about him, if, if that's what it is, the Jimmy Butler. Because who wouldn't want him on our team right now? We're, We're not kidding. Sixers are down 2-1 to... Uh, Miami, Miami right now and and Butler, you know, where would we be if we still had Jimmy Butler instead in of room. Ben Simmons? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't have a problem with that at all. I think it's great. I th- he's a competitor. He's a competitor. He's a winner. Michael Jordan asked almost exactly. In, in Good that, point. Yeah, I, no, I am going to win. You know, give me right. the ball. Kind of just that alpha confidence. Yeah. But at the same time, by no means doing so by putting down his teammates. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Good point. I uh, I really like that comparison. And if AJ Brown is like a Jimmy Butler type character, love then it. I love it. I'm absolutely. All for it. That sounds awesome. All right. So with that being said, one of the things, the concerns that we brought up last week, you know, a, a, there were a lot of wide receivers who were projected to be taken in the first round. Right. And one of them was Jamison Williams, who was coming out of Alabama, the same school that both Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith went to. Right. And we kind of posited this scenario where what if there was this Alabama triumvirate? Right. Jamison Williams comes to the Eagles, and you have three Alabama players, you know, responsible for the air raid offense. Exactly. And obviously that didn't happen, but we were wondering how much do you pay consideration to your clear wide receiver number one, Devontae Smith, when you draft a wide receiver. So with getting A.J. Brown, a proven commodity in the NFL, how do you think he gels with Devontae Smith? Uh, That's a great point because 
you can't have animosity between those two guys. I think it was great that not just A.J. Brown, he didn't even question or, or answer who's the number one wide receiver. Yeah, didn't He's even the put one. it up for debate. Yeah. He just it, said it's all about the team. It doesn't matter. It's about the team. Exactly. And Devonta Smith said the exact same thing. In fact, he even threw a bone to A.J. Brown and say, you I'm know. I'm excited to learn from yeah, him. exactly. He's, he's got some things to show yeah. me. And you know what? Those are two guys who are showing a lot of maturity. Yeah. And this is where I think Jalen Hurts has really taken the locker room up a level. Okay. His example. As of, a leader. As a leader, I'm a team guy. I'm gonna do. I, I'm gonna do my best every week to get better for the team, and it's it's rubbing off. People are seeing that, and and they're telling the story themselves. As and well. then they're falling in line. Exactly. That's really neat. So, what are some ways then that maybe AJ Brown, far from you know not gelling with Devonte Smith, in fact, compliments him? Yeah, you know, the one thing we talked about last week was. We don't want a small, small speedy wide receiver. Wide receiver. Yeah. We need to have a bigger guy, a tougher guy, a guy who can go up and get um, contested balls, uh, a guy you can throw to in the red zone and know he's going to go up and get the ball. So I think that's a great gel with Devontae Smith. And having A.J. Brown on once, it's got to open up opportunities for – Smith on the other side. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, it's almost like just like you can't double team both Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis. Right. If yeah. Devontae Smith and AJ Brown are on the field at the same time, you can't double team both of them. Exactly. So, you know, and I think I, I wonder how much Devontae Smith, he was clearly an incredible wide receiver in college. Right. But those skills don't always transfer from the college game to the football mm -hmm. game. So I wonder if in some ways he got a free pass last year as far as he wasn't getting double teamed as much. But now okay. that he's proven that he is uh, an elite-level wide receiver, he's not going to get that free pass this year. Right. But A.J. Brown's going to be able to take some heat off of him. Yeah. And just going back real quick to the uh, size of A.J. Brown compared with Devontae Smith. Now, they're both similar in height. A.J. Brown's 6'1". Devontae Smith is six foot flat. But Devontae Smith weighs in at 170. A.J. Brown weighs in at anywhere between 225 to 230. Wow, that's 50-plus pounds. <laughs> that's like 55 pounds. That's a lot. That's a lot. And, you know, A.J. Brown, if you look at him, the dude doesn't have an ounce of fat on yeah. his body. So you're talking 55 pounds of extra muscle right. on this wide receiver. That's got to bring out a different skill set that, again, probably complements what Devontae Smith is bringing to the team. Yeah, that's, that's beast mode. We need a physical wide receiver who can go up and get those contested balls. And those receivers have been the ones making the most difference in the NFL in general. I yeah. mean, I'm thinking of DK Metcalf right. running across the middle, running guys over, and Mike Williams getting yeah. every single contested ball exactly. for the Chargers, especially in the red yeah. zone. And I think A.J. Brown can begin to fill that role for us, which is right. great. So... Obviously, the Eagles have some awesome weapons. Tim Roberts, a famous reporter covering the Cowboys, tweeted this this week. Why am I supposed to be afraid of A.J. Brown when his QB is Jalen Hurts? Do you think Jalen Hurts, his lack of passing ability, really limits Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown? You know what? That That's to be seen. I saw Jalen Hurts make some nice passes last year. Sure. I don't know who Tim Roberts is. <laughs> uh, who cares about whether he's scared or not? We care about 
putting fear in the opposing defense. With a stronger running game as we have, I think that only helps Jalen Hurts' passing game. For sure. He's been told he needs to work on his passing game. Right. I think the one part of his passing game he needs to work on is getting the ball out of his hands quicker. That's the same thing that was Wentz Carson had. Wentz's downfall. Yeah. And you know what? He's a coachable guy, so I think he's going to make improvements on that area. Then you throw A.J. Brown into the mix, Pascal into the mix. Yeah. Now you've got a guy going over the middle for a quick release From if you need slot. it. Yeah, so I, I think this is really going to elevate Jalen Hurts's passing game. So I don't I, I that would be my answer to Tim Roberts is you know what? His teammates are gonna help him elevate his game as well as the efforts he's making to elevate his game. So you should fear AJ Brown and you should fear yeah, should. Devontae Smith with the yeah. yeah. Man, that'll be a great storyline going oh. into the Cowboys. Oh that'll that will be awesome. That'll be frontline stuff to run with. So I want you to step outside Eagle Fandom real quick and pretend you're an objective <laughs> outsider. All right. Who would you rather have going into this season? Hertz with Brown and Smith okay. or Prescott with CD Lamb and Gallup? Yeah. All right, and I'm objective. I am. I'm being objective <laughs> here, and I got to be honest with you, I go with Prescott, Lamb and Gallup. But I I love the Eagles combination, Hertz, Brown and Smith. But, you know, Dak Prescott, he's got a bigger, longer track record in the NFL than Jalen Hurts. He's proven yeah. himself to be an NFL quarterback. Multiple seasons over 4,000 yards past. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we're still, you know, the, I think it's fair to say that Eagles are still deciding whether Jalen's their guy or Is not. Is their franchise QB or not? Right. Cowboys have clearly already slapped the franchise. Exactly. So you got to say. And he earned it. Right, right. And he exactly. took it from Romo. Yeah, yeah. So you got to say, and and they have similar styles. Uh, I think Dak's a better passer. Yeah, but he also has that dual threat. He can, yeah, he can run. He really makes people pay with his legs. So so Prescott greater than Hurts at the QB position. Right. Moving C- out to the wide receivers. C.D. Lamb came in a year before Devontae Smith. He so he's got a little more experience under his belt, and he's a top-notch wide receiver. So you might give him a little edge over Devontae Smith. Um, and then you go to Gallup and Brown, and I would give that to Brown. For Gall- sure. Gallup's, you know, had a great uh, career. He's done well as a wide receiver coming off a, an injury, though. So I think, you know, two of those three you got to give to Dallas. And I would say if I were being an objective outsider, I'd have to go with the Prescott, uh, Lamb, and Gallup. But I don't feel bad having Hurts, Brown, and Smith on my team. So I want you to stay as an objective outsider for all one right, more all question. All right, I can do that. Granted, you you would take Prescott and hit his wide receiving core over the Hertz and his wide receiving core, mainly because of the experience right. and the longer proven track record. Right, right, exactly. With that being said, just as an objective fan, who would you be more excited about seeing? Like, which team do you think offers more potential for oh. dynamic and electric play? I, you know what? I would switch that around. I like the Hertz combination with uh, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. I, I, you know, There is something electric about that combo. That, it is. There that, is. That I mean, Dak just does not have with Gallup yeah, and I just C.D. Don't, I don't see Dak you know, throwing downfield 40 yards a lot. 
I could see Devontae Smith getting some racks, you know, yeah. uh, yards or yaks, yards after catch, uh, as well as AJ Brown. I mean, AJ Brown's going to run some people over, no doubt. I don't know that CD Lamb or Gallup's going to run anybody over. Dak, I see more as a grinded out guy, a little um, more conventional. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I can see Smith and Brown being. I mean, I. I can see that being dynamic and and the long ball coming into play. And I think Jalen will have to learn how to throw that ball. Sure, uh, sure. Throw it more accurately. But also, you know, just sort of stuff coming across the middle. Those guys, I, you could put the ball in their hands. I think they're going to do something special with it. I think so. so. That's I, the feeling I get every time Devontae Smith has the ball yeah, already. Yeah. I mean, the ball is in his hands, and you're just waiting for something right. incredible to happen. Right. And I feel like A.J. Brown kind of presents a very similar feeling as that. And you don't necessarily get that from C.D. Lamb. Or no. Gallup. No, exactly. I mean, C.D. Lamb can be an explosive he receiver. Can, for sure. I don't think in Dallas's system they've really exploited that Leaned as much into as his they dynamism. could. Okay. Right. That makes sense. So, quick interesting note about A.J. Brown, you know, one of the articles that I read this week was really fascinating. It essentially took a bunch of statistics of all the guys that were drafted in the NFL draft, and then it graded each team on the overall athleticism of the draft that they had. Okay. And the Eagles were far and above every other team in terms of athleticism. And if you look at all these positions such as a Cam Jurgens at center. Yeah. And Jordan Davis at D tackle. They're all outstandingly fast for their particular position. And it just seems like the Eagles are moving towards becoming one of the most, if not the most athletic teams in the NFL. That's a good point. You know, I, I think they have determined in their mind that two things they're looking for are speed and athleticism. And I think if you look, I, I get on the Eagles a little bit for trying to be the Kansas City Chiefs of the East. Sure. I mean, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, clearly there's speed, speed. everywhere speed. and athleticism. Yeah. You know, outside of Jason Kelsey's brother, Travis, at tight end, <laughs> um, you know, they're not running anybody over. No, they're that's small very guys true. who are fast, but they're incredibly elusive. So that speed and athleticism, that's done really well for them. And they've got that at the quarterback position, too. Yeah, they do. And I do think they like to think of themselves as the Kansas City of the East, but I think they've got to move out of that role and, you know, create their own identity. They can be. Partly that, but they've also got to have that uh, piece where they're going up top, or, or they've they've got the running game to be able to control a game yeah, and smash mouth and lock it down. Yeah, so take advantage of that. You've got you've got a great O line and yeah. an O line that's built for the running game. Yeah, so use that. But I do see the speed and athleticism, and I think it shows in a lot of their uh, draft picks. Draft picks, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think so. So. Going along with that theme of kind of just getting athletes on their team, I was doing some research on A.J. Brown, and I didn't know this, but he was not only an All-American football player in high school, he was also an All-American baseball player huh. in high school, much like uh, Kyler Murray. Yeah. In fact, in 2016, he was drafted by the San Diego Padres and even signed a contract with them before pivoting to football 
full time. Wow. So we're talking about an incredibly accomplished athlete. Yeah. Even outside. That's impressive. And he's, you know, good size again. And yeah, he'd huge. be a good size for a base because you don't think of baseball players being as big as football players. Oh, obviously pounds, good. I mean, yeah. you look at a Mike muscle, Trout, but sure. that's, that's different than, you know, a shortstop or something. Yeah. You're absolutely right. One of the things I love about this upcoming season is we have some great storylines among them. We're going to be playing the Washington Redskins twice this year. Yeah. Carson Wentz is the QB. Oh, that's going to be that's great. That's an awesome setup. And I love this setup now. We traded with the Titans our first-round draft pick to acquire A.J. Brown. Right. A.J. Brown is coming out of the Titans after they essentially said, you're not worth to us what you think your value right. is. So there's a little bit of scorn there. And then the Titans, with that first-round draft pick that we gave them for Brown, they take a wide receiver in Traylon Burks from Arkansas. And yeah. I got to imagine, will, uh, will that not be the story when the Eagles play the Titans this year? Oh, it's got to be. But you know what? The, and this goes back to our discussion earlier. I think the reason the Titans could do that, they felt they could get a good wide receiver in the draft. One they can use because they don't need an A.J. Brown in their system. Yeah, right. They don't need Beckham Jr. in their system. Yeah. They don't need a C.D. Lamb in their system. Right. They need a serviceable wide receiver. And if you can get that on the cheap through the draft. Like and, a rookie contract yeah. for Traylon Burks. Yeah, so maybe you go from a wide receiver who's a 95 to a wide receiver who's, who's a it? 75. Sure. Not a difference. For it, there. it has yeah. very little little change to their system. So I think for them it was probably a good move for their, for their franchise and to our benefit. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, so moving on from A.J. Brown to our second round draft pick, 56 overall. Center out of Nebraska. He's a little undersized for a center, 6'3 and 303 pounds, but that very much resembles our current five-time Pro Bowl center, Jason Kelsey, who weighs in a little lighter than 303, around 283, and is also 6'3. So Juergens, even though he's a little undersized, is bigger than Kelsey. Now, we've been talking about how the Eagles are moving in a very athletic direction. Right. So this is a center that we drafted. Yeah. Try and guess what positions he played in high school. A center? All right, that would lead me to believe he's a linebacker. A linebacker, yep. If he's not a center in high school, maybe he's a skill position at a fullback. Yeah, he was a running back. Okay. So we were talking right. a guy who, up until he was 18 years old, was a running back and a linebacker. Gets to college, becomes a center, and now he's you know a second round draft pick yeah. at the center position. Probably incredibly athletic. Uh, yeah, I'm assuming right. Exactly. Yep. So just like I asked, you know, what are the benefits of having an incredibly fast defensive tackle in Jordan Davis? What are some of the benefits of having an athletic center, one that was a running back at one point? You know what? That's a good question because that's what Jason Kelsey has really brought to this team. And that's the one area that Eagles have been ahead of the curve. They've had the most athletic center in football, maybe even in the history of football. For the last decade. Yeah. And, I mean, how many times have you seen Kelsey downfield making 30 yards? Making a block 30 yards, block. yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> and they're huge blocks. This is a guy who knows how to block. He knows who the guy – I remember seeing one play last year where it was clear – 
He blocked a guy, and this was 20, 25 yards down the field to the right. And I honestly, I think it was Devontae Smith ran right into the block, and I saw Kelsey throw his arms up like, you know, dude, you've got to read my block, follow my block, all right? T- turn the Jets off for a second, see which way I'm taking <laughs> my guy, because I'm going to lay him out, and the rest of the road will be clear for you. And it, it just it reminded me so much as this this guy's a blocker. He knows what to do. He knows what to do downfield. And that can be. And he has the speed to get down there. Who has that speed at the center position? So I think that was a big part in playing and them taking Jurgens and where they did. And I think, again, as, as the game changes, it seems this desire for speedy offensive linemen who can get to the second level and make a block on a linebacker yeah. or a cornerback is more valued than it traditionally has been. Again, in part, mainly because we're switching from a pa- you know a more running-oriented game to a more passing-oriented yeah. game. And even going back to with the Dolphins, Larry Little getting – I mean, he was a big offensive tackle. wasn't necessarily known for his speed, but he had to get out there for the sweeps. And okay. The, the Dolphins had a great running a game. Guard or pulling yeah, and and he would just plow people over. So I think that's more and more of the the NFL game, the running game now than than it used to be in the past. Does being undersized as a center at six three three oh three concern you at all with Jurgens? You know, I would have said yeah, but Kelsey's two eighty three six three two eighty three, and that hasn't been a problem for him. Yeah, so five not, time Pro Bowler, yeah. Yeah, if, if we could have that, I'd take that all day long again. You know, and it's interesting you say that it's Kelsey's example that makes you not nervous about Jurgen's pick. Right. Um, because Kelsey actually had a massive hand in the Eagles drafting Jurgen's in the second round. I, I would hope so, because if there wasn't some special reason they were taking Jurgen's, I was, I was thinking, why are they taking him this okay. early? Ah, very interesting. So this is what Kelsey said. He said, so, referring to Jurgens, this is my favorite player in the draft. I'm not just saying that because we picked him. The Eagles have actually been using me to evaluate some of the centers coming out and all of the guys that I've looked at, like, for the past two to three years, out of all the guys that compare the most to myself, this guy is him. This guy is a freak athletically. He has the best chance to be a difference maker at the center position. I like this kid a lot. I really do. So, do you like the Eagles intimately including Jason K- in drafting his presumed replacement? I I love that because who's going to know more about what they need if their if their offensive scheme is going to be the same and Jason Kelsey is at the middle literally involved in every play, the... the heart of their offensive scheme, you know, he's going to know what it takes to be able to be successful at that position. So I love that they're confiding in him, asking him what he sees. So, you know, Kelsey knows the job, and, and he obviously saw something in Jurgen. So And he's done a great job yeah, at the job. Yeah, so I, I love that. I, again, that goes back to the, the legacy thing I think they're building with the mentorship. This, this mentorship program yeah. that they seem to be instituting. Yeah, so I, I love the fact that they included him, even if he came up to them and said, look, this is the guy you're take and take them now i i've got a lot of respect for that because i i think you know who who better to to know yeah and you know that is it kind of says a complimentary thing both about the eagles organization and also jason kelsey himself yeah because typically when you have situations like this 
where the team that you've been playing for for over a decade and kind of leaving it all out on the field for them is looking for your replacement. Right. That kind of makes you come face to face with not only facing your own retirement, the fact that you're becoming maybe less of a player than you used to be, but also, you know, no one wants to be replaced. I mean, I, I think he, at one point in an interview, he actually said, you know, I want my legacy in Philadelphia to be more based on how I mentor the person who replaces me than the level of play that I had at the peak of my career. That's awesome. That's and, an incredible, I mean. And it, and it just shows, and uh, Jason Kelsey is probably, I mean. He's Mr. You, Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, you think of Brian Dawkins, you know, names like that. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say something. He even said, look, I'm, I'm probably training my uh, replacement. You know, who would do that? And, and then he said, you know, I want this to be my legacy. Yeah. That, and how how do you not love that? That's that's why he's Mr. Philadelphia. That's why Philadelphia loves him. Yeah. You know? For sure. I mean, could you imagine Terrell Owens? No way. Saying, saying who is. in town. Give me the ball. <laughs> who? I'm not helping him out. I can't be replaced. Yeah. For sure not. Got some sit-ups to do in my driveway. Cool. All right. So moving on. Uh, round three. Taking 83rd overall. Inside linebacker out of Georgia again, just like Jordan Davis. And kind of like Cam Juergens, he's a little undersized for his position. He's 5'11", 225 pounds, a little on the faster side, runs a 4'5", 240-yard dash. Now, this is what's interesting about N'Kobe Dean. Dean was a projected first-rounder, and not just late in the first round, like an early first-rounder. Right. So one of the questions I have is, why did he slide so far? How did we end up picking him up in the third round? Yeah, he had a pec injury that did not require surgery. And I guess there were a lot of teams out there that felt he should have gotten surgery for that. Oh, So I don't know any more than that or where that situation is. So, um, so he did not get surgery. He did not get surgery. Okay. And apparently it did not require surgery. And I get, you know, a lot of teams will have you get surgery for something that may not need surgery because surgery will get you back on the field quicker. Sure. And I, I totally get that. Sure. And I, I've never had a pec injury, so I don't know what that is. I've torn a bicep, which, you know, couldn't be reattached, and it, it really didn't affect my lifting or anything like that. No kidding. Um, so I don't know how, how a pec injury would affect that. Uh, but that's what I heard as what pushed him down. You know, teams were a little scared. But you know what? Take a shot. At a guy who's was clearly a first-rounder, top 10. Yeah. And you can pick him up in the third round. Take a shot. Yeah, I, I agree. So with that being said, do you think the fact that, okay, maybe there are some injury concerns which seem to be overdone right did the eagles get a steal getting this guy and i do i think they got a steal yeah i mean only time will tell obviously but the other thing is eagles like undersized linebackers yeah they do as much as i would like to have a brian urlacher kind of guy yeah big and just uh, ready to blow up the line yeah exactly the eagles like the under and again this this league is moving more and more towards passing so you're going to need a guy at linebacker who has some speed who can drop back and de- and uh, pass the fan. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And 
even though Nakobe Dean is undersized, all the reports that are coming out about him, I mean, he was the heart and soul of Georgia's defensive scheme. Right, the best defense in college football. The best defense by, by a mile far. in college football. And from what I understand, the reason why he was the heart and soul behind that, not only because of his leadership skills, but specifically because he had the best defensive mind. I mean, it was like the dude could read. He was always in the right spot to make yeah. the right play. He knew exactly what the opposing offense was doing. That's tough to teach. That's tough to teach. And to have someone like that coming into our program, even if he has a little undersized, that's pretty exciting. And yeah. I'm excited to see if that really plays out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think I already know your answer to this, but... Do you like the Eagles double-dipping the national champion Georgia Bulldogs here, taking Jordan Davis in round one and Nicobe Dean in round Absolutely. Three? I love the Eagles double-dipping <laughs> with that. You know what? It worked for them last year, double-dipping. Uh, Devontae Smith and Landon Dickerson. With, with Alabama. You on bet. the O, and, and on you the know o side. And very similarly, they went out on a limb with Dickerson a little because people were saying, hey, that's right. he had injury twice. concerns. Yeah. 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 And that's right. they were not even expecting him to play last year. He started a ton of games for them last yeah, year. Yeah, he did and did really well. Yeah. So if that's the same story with Nicobe Dean, he could very uh, well be a first year star. Yeah, I love it. I, I, I love the SEC picks. I don't think you can go wrong there unless you're picking a guy on the bench. And even there, you know, you the still SEC, might get they're lucky. so deep. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, totally agreed. All right, moving on to round six with the 181st overall pick, linebacker slash defensive end out of Kansas, Kyron Johnson. He's six foot, 235 pounds, so about the right size, typical size of a linebacker. Mm. But just like Cam Jurgens, just like Jordan Davis, he is incredibly fast. For his position runs a four four flat wow. 40 yard dash and here's what's interesting about him he started out as a linebacker at kansas but he switched to an edge rusher in 2021 his senior season okay and he posted as an edge rusher six and a half sacks and a good amount of tackles for losses do you like the versatility that johnson offers i do like that you know i was a little surprised at the pick yeah, I was too, only because, I mean, as far as linebackers are concerned, they pick up Kazir White. Right. They pick up Hazan Reddick in free draft. Yeah. In, um, in a free agency. And then they get what I think was a surprise pick for the Eagles, and Nicobe Dean. Yeah. I don't think they thought he was going to be available right. in round three. So uh, ostensibly, you have at least one extra linebacker than you thought you were going right. to have. And then you go ahead, and, and this is what's uh, even more odd. They traded up to to get Kyron Johnson. They were originally hmm. the oh yeah the hundred and eighty eighth pick one eighty one wow and they gave away their seventh round draft pick to go up just seven slots to the one eighty first pick uh, okay. to get him, which is an interesting move. You've got to have some deep research when you're uh, you know trading <laughs> up from deep in the one eighty eight to one eighty one. Yeah, I mean that's some serious. <laughs> depth to research but i tell you what we might be seeing a titanic shift in the eagles draft i one thing we mentioned they never pick linebackers never. we picked two yeah this year you know we're never going you know sec guys now we did last year this year so uh, if this is where the trend's going i love it i am a little surprised that at that pick because again 
I keep coming back to we need a safety and we need a corner. I don't know. Can they do they think one yeah, of these guys could they is have a found, corner? I don't think so. Could yeah. they have found a budget corner in the sixth round? Right. I mean, right. So it's, it's um, hard to know. Yeah, so I don't I don't know what to think about it, but it does go back to the new formula, speed and athleticism. Speed and athleticism, mm-hmm. that's exactly right. And that kind of leads well into the next question. Do, do you like the theme of fast linebackers the Eagles seem to be repeating? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's the future of the NFL. Don't, a, a passing league. You need um, to be able to cover halfbacks coming out for yeah. wheel routes. Right, exactly. Going to round six. With the 198th overall pick, tight end out of SMU, Grant Calcaterra. He's six foot five, 240 pounds, pretty big tight end. And he's pretty fast for how big he is. He runs a 4.62 in the 40 yard dash. Wow. Now, right. this is what's interesting and slightly concerning about him. He originally played three seasons at Oklahoma and put up good numbers all three years. Then he retired from football due to multiple concussions. That's concerning. It is. He was set on becoming an EMT, but decided to give football another chance, which is when he then went to SMU. So, injury concerns here? I mean, is this something that you'd you'd be looking out for? Absolutely. You know, and more so just personally for him. Yeah, I mean, the NFL, even... The, the amount of consciousness that has arisen around the whole CTE. Exactly. And concussions. And when you say multiple concussions, so I'm, I'm a little concerned in that respect. But he did come back and play college ball for a year. He did. And, and he put up good numbers. Okay. I think he was a second okay. or third team All-American or All-Conference. And we would obviously need to get a little more information on that situation. I think they could... We're probably looking at this as possibly a value pick. That kind of guy reminds me a little bit of Tony Gonzalez, who for the Kansas City Chiefs, all same tight end, you know, similar Kansas build, City probably right yeah. around six five, right? Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, if, if the Eagles are trying to put their East Coast stamp on the Kansas City Chiefs, and they're trying to this create, very much fits recreate that narrative. Travis Kelsey, yeah. Guy fits the yeah. bill. He's got multiple concussions. You know, he's like he'll run through anything. So that's that's Travis <laughs> Kelsey. So yeah, it was a bit of a surprise pick to me because we had the discussion. Do you need two elite tight ends? Yeah. So last we week really I brought don't. up we had got Goddard and Ertz, and that right. was great. But I asked last week was having Goddard and Ertz more of a luxury and not a necessity. Yeah. And we both said, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a luxury. luxury. And that's why we did, really didn't make a big deal about exactly. letting Ertz go. And we've done, and the Eagles, how he's done such a good job of picking up. One-year veteran tight yeah. ends who can fill in exactly. just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so why, why acquire Calcitari here? It's, it's, it's an really interesting question. It's really interesting, especially given the, the news that they released in the last couple of days. About they're trying to convert J.J. Arcega-Whiteside to a tight end position. He clearly is not going to be a wide receiver. And he's Um, a good blocker, which is usually needed at the tight end position. You know what? Was it Sirianni who said, well, you know, he's such a good blocker. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, (laughs) that's not what the – you know what? On the the depth chart of my wide receiver talents, that's not in the top top five. five. Yeah, no. And I wonder if this is bad news for 
Arcega Whiteside right. in so much as is this a signal to him that they don't have much faith in him being able to be the number two tight end behind Goddard? Yeah, yeah, you're right. In picking up another tight end, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. But you know what? So that might that might actually lend something into their thought process here. Look, we got two guys we can look at at tight end: Cal Cal who we just drafted. Or, or Sega Whiteside. Who knows? Maybe Whiteside works out. Yeah. Um, it might even be a Jalen Rager like situation where we think Rager's only spot on the team is really in teams. special teams. Right. Maybe our Sega Whiteside spot on the team is being that uh, blocking tight end, yeah. you know, who seals the edge on an outside and pitch. And with the running game, or, the Eagles yeah. run two tight end you know, formations a lot. So, they yeah, do. that could be. It might be good to have him there. All right, so uh, that does it for the individual picks. I want to kind of take a look at the draft as a whole. One thing that we stated last week was we really wanted the Eagles to have a defensive-oriented draft and not an offensive-oriented draft. Do you think they achieved that? or No, No, I'm, I'm still concerned we didn't get a safety or cornerback. We used a couple picks on getting A.J. Brown. And I I don't have a problem with that. I'd like that. That that kind of opportunity presents itself. I think you got to take it. But the the cornerback and safety situation is still concerning to me, and I don't know how they're going to fill that hole. I did see one uh, report out there that uh, oh Earl Thomas yeah. is becoming potentially available. Yeah, a Pro Bowl safety who's been who's out been of the NFL for, for a couple two years, of years or so. has had some off field issues. So. You I don't like those situations. But maybe they pick up someone right. like him. Hey, right. I mean, if we're going to mirror the Chiefs, we may as well oh, go yeah. all in, right? Yeah, might as well go start. Uh, <laughs> what's, what's that line they had in uh, the replacements? It says he's a uh, resident of the state of Maryland for the last three years. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh. And that's that's the other thing. It, it wasn't as as defensive oriented as a draft as maybe we would have liked to seen. Now it was AJ Brown who kind of made it that way, right? And we like that pick. Yeah, yeah. So I can't fault the Eagles for that. But they did not address at all their need at cornerback or a safety, right? And Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame, who all analysts were saying he is head and shoulders above the rest of the competition with regard to safety was available in the first round. And we didn't take him when we had the opportunity to, we took Jordan Davis and then the next pick was the Ravens and they were originally going to go for Davis. And that's why we jumped ahead of them and they end up taking Kyle Hamilton. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's, that's something we're going to regret or, yeah, I, I don't think so. I think um, Davis is, is a playmaker. And, and I think the Ravens know what they're doing, drafting defensive players. They always have a strong defense. Yeah, I think the Eagles felt that much more confident in Davis because had they thought, hey, we're getting the same value whether we get Davis or Hamilton, then why move up? Right. Hamilton so, would have still been available. Exactly. So, so they really wanted Davis. Yeah, they did. And uh, I, you know, I don't have a problem with that. And again, only time will tell. But I, I just would have liked to see them somewhere further down the road address the safety or quarterback, cornerback uh, situation. Yeah. So here's what's interesting about that. 
you know, leading up to the draft, we knew that a lot of cornerbacks were going to go in the first round. Right. And there was Ahmad, Sauce Gardner, and Derek Stingley. And we knew we didn't have a shot for And uh, we knew we had, didn't have a shot probably. at either one of them. Right. And they went probably even earlier. Yeah, than three and four. Three and four. That- Stingley to the Texans and Sauce to the Jets. Yeah. But one of the names that repeatedly came up in the weeks leading up to the draft was Andrew Booth from Clemson. Yeah. As a potential first-round draft pick by the Eagles. Now, if you look at where Andrew Booth ended up going, it was in round two, number 42 overall. So with with Booth's kind of fall out of the first round, right? would you have liked to seen the Eagles maybe trade away a third-round pick to move up 10 spots from their Jurgens pick to get Booth? Yeah, you know, if they can swing moving 188 to 181 – to get I, I Karan White. Yeah, I think they probably could have swung Johnson. 51 to 42 or whatever number we had to get to to get Booth. And um, I would have liked to have seen them get Booth. He's a taller guy. I'd like a, a bigger cornerback, just like we like bigger wide exactly. receivers. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So I, I would have loved to have seen that because I think, I, I don't know how many... Draft boards, Jurgens. I, I like the pick of Jurgens, but right. I like it because it seems so specifically tailored to Philly. Right. It's very rare that you have an undersized center like Jason Kelsey, who's incredibly athletic. We are looking for the next Jason Kelsey at center. Right. I don't think any other team yeah, does. Exactly. And that's why you know, in a perfect world I think we could have done something to move up to get Oof. Booth from Clemson and then get Jurgens the next next round. Yeah. Because I, I think we valued him a lot higher than others. Than and for good reason. And- that also gives you a glimpse into how highly we valued um, him, that we exactly. weren't willing to sacrifice right. that guaranteed pick to get him. Right, exactly. Moving out to the NFC East, comparing our draft with theirs. I think we had a really strong draft. So how about the other teams in the NFC East? I think the Giants probably had the best draft in the NFC East. I think they really nailed. You want to nail your first round picks? They, they had, had five and an seven. Amazing and I think first they round. totally nailed that. I don't even know how they really pulled that off because leading up to the draft, I mean, probably two months leading up to the draft, among the names that repeatedly came up of being potential first pick overall. Mm hmm. Kevin Thibodeau and Evan yep. Neal came up all the yeah. time. And sitting at five and seven, you managed to not just both. get one, but both. Yeah. That's an impre- pretty incredible get. And it, they didn't just get both just because it was one of those situations where we don't really need to fill this position, but we are so impressed that this guy dropped to right. this slot in the draft that we just have to take him because he has so much value. Right. They desperately needed an edge rusher yeah. and an O tackle. Yeah. And they got arguably the two best. Yeah. So the Giants, <laughs> not much of a threat last year. Right. Do these two picks make them more of a threat this year or? It might make me reconsider what was the line last week. There was an over/under right. on games for won or lost for them, and it was ten and a half for Dallas, eight and a half for the Eagles, seven and a half for the Redskins, and seven for the Giants. Yeah, and we were kind of saying that seven is a soft line. I would lay, yeah, because we would say the Redskins, the Eagles, and the Cowboys are far and away better than the Giants. You know, right, not just 
in the Eagles' case, a right. game, game and a half better than them. Yeah. And so could it make that much of a difference for me to change my mind about that? And I would say no, unless Daniel Jones really stepped up his game. And if adding Evan Neal as a protector allows him to do that, then yeah, it that maybe they it, it come could alive. be a big difference. And yeah. you know, obviously Thibodeau it really helps your defense out. Yeah. You know, I I think it's interesting because it seems like in a lot of ways Daniel Jones is in a similar situation as Jalen Hurts this year. In that yeah. both Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones clearly have the starting job for their respective teams this right. year. But they're still being evaluated as to see whether or not they're franchise QBs. Absolutely. And yeah. unless they step it up to the plate this year, I think Daniel Jones might have a little longer of a runway than Hurts. Right. But maybe not. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point, and I think that's spot on. You know what? That might be one of the reasons they went Evan Neal to uh, – because uh, the Giants have not given Daniel Jones much protection. protection. No. Yeah. And it, it's – we saw that with Carson Wentz getting less and less protection and, and, and more and more pressure. It, it it makes it tough. It really does. So Giants get considerably better, but they're still not necessarily a threat. Right. How about uh, another team in the NFC East? Well, let's look at the Redskins. The Giants had the best draft in the NFC East, or at least the best first round. Yeah. What do you think of the Redskins? I think they're on the other end of that spectrum. I I don't know what they're doing. They took Dotson, the wide receiver from Penn State. I don't think... Why do you take a wide receiver from a school that's not a notorious passing school? I mean... Penn Saquon State's Barkley, grind, grind it out. Yeah, Miles Barkley, Sanders, Miles Sanders, they're, they're running, running back machine. They're running back factory to take Howie's terminology. quarterback factory terminology. Yeah. So I don't understand that, but although I yeah. do think they needed a wide receiver. They so. did, for sure. I mean, it doesn't seem like Wentz has anyone to throw to, but yeah. you know who would agree with you in kind of wondering about that pick? Who's is that? The guy who got picked himself, Jahan Dotson. Yeah. There was actually a uh, an article that came out. And evidently, he was not expecting to be taken in the first round. So while the NFL draft was on, he was watching the NBA Finals. Oh, no. And he gets the call from the Redskins that he's going to get picked in the first round. You know, I think it was the 15th pick. And he's like snapping to his parents to turn (laughs) off the NBA Finals and turn on the NFL draft because he's about to get picked. Oh, that's hilarious. And you know what? I mean, that... That kind of makes our point right there. If he didn't even think he was going in the first round. Yeah. And it was a wide receiver heavy draft. It was. So he's he's a top and wide receiver. And the Redskins needed a receiver. Pick. Yeah. Um, wow. That That's incredible. That's yeah. a story, all right. And, you know, it, it doesn't seem like this was the only reach that the Redskins have. Yeah. Even their second round draft pick, Fedarian Mathis, another article came out about him and he had essentially told his family that he wasn't expected to be drafted until um, late in the third round, maybe early in the fourth round. Wow. And they pick him up in the second. So that could very well be the theme of the draft for the Redskins, kind of this overreach. It kind of reminds yeah. me of what the Eagles did yeah. two years ago, picking up Rager in the second round, yeah. Hurts in the third round. You and I both said when that happened, or I'm sorry, Rager in the first round, 
and and hurts in hurts the in the second round. Could have both got them both a, a round later. Yeah, right. You know, you could have gotten Rager in the second round and Hurts in the third potentially. So they did the Howie twenty twenty draft. They did the Howie twenty twenty draft. And you know, there was kind of this narrative circling the Redskins in the off season. They could very well be a sleeping giant. Their defense yeah. got uh, a lot stronger over the last few years. They've always had a, a, a decent O line. Right. Then they go out and get you know, a Super Bowl caliber quarterback like Carson Wentz. Right. Ron Rivera is in his fourth year as yeah. head coach, and he did some special things in the Panthers. And you'd imagine he's going to be able to duplicate his success in Washington. They made a lot of changes in their front office. Hey, they got a new name. <laughs> you know, they could be this sleeping giant, but man. When I saw what they did in the draft, it kind of just it was almost a moment where I'm thinking, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Yeah, like that's a good analogy. Yeah. Meet the new Redskins, same as the old Redskins. Yeah. They're going to continue to be middle of the pack. They're going to continue to disappoint. Yeah, um, come up with a good game here or there. Ultimately, much like D.C. politicians, be a disappointment <laughs> to everyone. Yeah, you know, I, I wonder whether those are Ron Rivera's picks or not. Um, I, get, I was wondering that myself. Yeah, I get the wide receiver pick. You pick up once. You got to show him. Look, we're going to at least give you one guy to throw to. But yeah, I, I I just wonder whether that's Ron Rivera or he doesn't have the the strings. I would make a prediction and say he does not have the strings. Yeah. I think there are some new recruits to that front office that right. are trying to make names for themselves, oh, and geez. they're not necessarily analytic guys. Maybe, but yeah, potentially. <laughs> Yeah, like, what is Jahan Dotson's hand size? Right, You know, right. that's like a huge thing, you know, yeah. a wide receiver's hand size. I wonder if his hands are huge. Exactly. And somehow that, yeah. And you know who is still available was Christian Watson. Yeah. From North Dakota State. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a 6'4", 236-pound, 4.36, 40-yard dash running Yeah, guy. I don't know why I would have taken him over Dotson. It's a surprising pick to me. How about for the last... Team in the NFC East, the projected first place finishers, the Cowboys. Yeah, now not a lot of surprises with what they're going to do. They're going to pick an O lineman every year. Yep, um, it was a little surprising in their pick, in so much as they pick a guy from Tulsa, Tulsa, right? And he was kind of a surprise to yeah a lot of the analysts, though. But it is in the Oklahoma Texas region, and you know they're all cowboys, so they might have been. <laughs> They might have been scouting this kid since he was six right, years old and exactly. had an inside story on him, you know? Yeah. Like, look, go to this small school in Tulsa. Yeah. You know, then we can get you in the first round and no one else will be exactly. going to discover you as a hidden gem. Yeah. Um, so not a surprise they pick up an O-lineman and then an edge rusher. And that makes sense. I mean, they lost their, their really good edge rusher, uh, yeah, DeMarcus, DeMarcus Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always say Hogs win championships and... Cowboys do a pretty good job of picking hogs. So yeah. that you know what that was why the ongoing debate over whether or not Dak Prescott was an elite quarterback right continued for so long. Yeah, was because he had such a good line. A line, absolutely. That you couldn't make the judgment because he was never throwing under pressure. Yeah, whether he was a really good quarterback or not. Exactly, and that made a lot of sense. But I, I think he's answered that. I'm a little surprised. I don't know if they picked up a wide receiver at all. I don't think they did. And they lost not only Amari Cooper, who's just an elite-level wide receiver, right. and I don't think anyone drafted in the first round was going to replace 
No, you know right. Amari Cooper. You know he's kind of a one of a kind. Yeah, he he made, he changed their offense when he joined. He really Cowboys. did. Um, but they also lost Cedric Wilson. Yeah, and so they got two really high caliber level wide receivers going out, and they're not bringing anyone in. Obviously, Gallup is coming back from right. his ACL tear, but definitely doesn't produce up to Cooper, and probably not even up to Wilson. Right. I don't think the Cowboys knocked it out of the park. I don't think it was terrible, so I would say they're middle of the road. So if I had to, uh, to measure the drafts, I would say the Giants probably had the best one, then the Eagles, then the Cowboys, then the Redskins, just because I have no idea what the Redskins are doing. Yeah, I totally agree. I imagine when the Redskins begin to have a horrible season this year, there are going to be stories that leak out about there is a huge disjuncture between the front office and the head coach, yeah, and everyone's trying to implement their own plans, and yeah. a lot of dysfunction. And we saw that with um, Doug Peterson and the with front the Eagles. Office. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Everything's got to be aligned. Yeah. Last section in our main show, I just want to take a look forward at some of the stories that I think will come up, not just in the off season, but especially during the regular season. And I think the big one this year has to be Jalen Hurts. We've now acquired some serious offensive weapons for him. And we also kind of gave ourselves an insurance policy right. in trading out of our third round or our, our third first round draft pick. Right, and picking it up next giving year. Giving it to the Saints, picking it up next year. Everyone's saying that's how he's QB pick next year if Hurts doesn't work yeah, out. Yeah, I, I think that's his insurance policy. I think he got a good call there. And it almost feels like with the offensive weapons that they're acquiring for Hurts, a little bit of this leave no doubt mentality, like right. give Hurts what he needs and give ourselves the opportunity to see without a doubt that he is or he isn't our franchise quarterback. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, that's one thing I think they didn't do with Carson Wentz. We won the Super Bowl and then they kind and of... And then they never really got him any, right. any type of offensive weapon. Yeah. Alshon came here and he helped for that year. A little bit. The, the next year he was just miserable. He was producing nothing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think this is very much uh, a show me year for Jalen Hurts. So, do you think he knows he's somewhat on the chopping block this year? And, you know, if so, how does he respond to that yeah, kind of pressure? Yeah, I, I, think, I think he does. He said things like, this is my team, I've got a... You know, oh yeah, in his interview, step up and show this now. week, yeah. yes, he said specifically, "It's my team, and this is my opportunity." There you go. And yeah. you know, you rarely hear a QB who feels comfortable in his starting position say, "This is an opportunity right. for me." Right, exactly. coming back as the reigning starter. Right. So I, it does seem like he knows I can seal the deal. I can become the franchise QB this year, right. or or I could be out of here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I I like his attitude. The guy says all the right things, and he's a leader. He really does. I think he's a gamer, man. Yeah. And you know what? I think he seems so calm through all of this, and it's not just an act, only because this is actually exactly what he went through in college. Yeah. He came into Nick Saban's Alabama system, I think, right. as a sophomore. He won the national championship as a sophomore. Yeah, imagine that. You win the national championship as a, as a sophomore. sophomore. And I think he was in the Heisman running. He might not yeah. have been, but I think he I think was. You're right, yeah. And then junior year, he comes back. He leads Alabama to another national championship, gets injured. Right. The freshman phenom, Tua, 
comes in for the national championship game. Never gets plays, his job back. Lights out, yep. and Jalen Hurts never gets his job back. <laughs> and so, as a senior, he then transfers to Oklahoma. And I mean, he was like Saban's boy too. Yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of heartache there. But what does he do in Oklahoma? He leads Oklahoma to a college football playoff, and I think finishes second or third in the Heisman yeah. running. So, I mean, the guy is a winner. He wins wherever he goes. Yeah. And he, even losing his job, he clearly picked up where he left off. And I imagine him to do the exact same thing in this situation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he's shown that he can rise to the adversity. Right. He rises rise to above the occasion. It. Exactly. Um, another interesting quote from Hertz this week. He says, I look back on last year knowing that there were games where I played at a very high level. But then there were games where it wasn't the same. I think consistency in this league is everything. So I wanted to get your take. Do you agree with Jalen Hurts? The number one thing he has to be this year is consistent. Was it? Is it more a matter of we saw the level of play that we wanted to see last year, and he's just got to consistently have that level yeah, of play? Yeah, I, I, I do. I think they, I think he showed some really nice play last year, but I, I think it the consistency was a question. I think he did a great job of self-evaluation. Yeah. He said, listen, I've, I've got to be more consistent. I can play at this level. I just got to consistently play at that level. So, yeah, I think he's got his, his head on straight and he knows what he needs to do. The question is, that, does he have all the skills to do that? You know, he's not, he's not the pure passer. Um, can he work on that game to get it up to the level where you know he's a he's a good NFL passer. Obviously, he's got the escapability. He's got the legs to, no to get out of any problem situations. No doubt. And he has a pretty good mind for when he needs to do that. So if if the quarterback coach can can work with him on on raising his level of consistency and the moves the Eagles made can lift elevate his quarterback play. Yeah, and I, I I think he calls it right, and I think he rises to the occasion, and, and he's the franchise guy. Yeah, I, think I don't so think too. the Eagles are convinced yet. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. And honestly, as, as as a fan, I'm not necessarily convinced yet either. Yeah. I see a lot of good things I love in a guy, Yeah, and, and you want him to succeed. I agree, yes. I think everyone wants him to succeed. Yeah. And I, I think the one thing I will say is I do agree – he has to be more consistent. Right. But I would say that even in his best games, to really get that franchise QB tag, I would want to see him jump a couple levels this yeah. year in, yeah. in addition to being more consistent. Right. I think specifically in, in reading the defense. Absolutely. Um, and think back to last year, and there were a good amount of plays where he had an open receiver, but he didn't look past his first check. Right. Um, so... Yeah, and I and that he's got to make big improvements there. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you. All right, last question that I have for you on the main show here. If you take a look at the structure of AJ Brown's contract, it's five point six million in twenty twenty two this year. That mm-hmm. bumps up to eight point five million in twenty twenty three. Those are both good deals. Two two years of good deals. Two years of good deals, and then it absolutely balloons. To twenty seven point seven million in two thousand and twenty four. Wow! If you look at a lot of the contracts that, especially the Eagles, you know, superstars have, a lot of them have this kind of ballooning 
effect later on. And it makes me think, you know, it, it really feels like the Rams two or three years ago when they were just selling all sorts of cap space down the river right. to acquire the superstars and the talent that they needed to make a run at the Super Bowl. Yeah, but they made the right acquisitions. They made the right acquisitions and made a run at the Super Bowl, lost, and then were able to make another run shortly thereafter and win it. Swapped out quarterbacks. It encourages me a little bit in so much as, you know, do you think the Eagles are looking to make a Super Bowl run sooner than later? That's a great question because I think with the moves they made, I do think they're making that move. I, I look at those numbers, 5.6, I mean, it's a typical Howie Roseman contract. You just kick the can down you the know, road. further down the road. And I'm sure if this all works out, and we get to year four, how, how he's going to restructure it to spread that out again yeah, to work the kick cap. Kick down the can for kick the can down further. Yeah, it just it reminds me of Bobby Bonilla, who was a, a top notch baseball player for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and Pittsburgh being a small market, he got traded to uh, the New York uh, Mets, right? Free agency went to New York Mets, and the New York Mets structured his deal. He's still making, and he's been retired for 15 years. He's still making a couple million dollars a year. Yeah, and I think they've named a day after him, right? Like yes, Bob, yeah, Bobby, Bobby Bonilla. Yeah. Oh my God! You know, nursing homes are going to be calling and say, "Hey, did you send Bobby's check?" <laughs> I mean, they are just on the hook for him forever, and that's kind of the way I see. Forty-nine million in year four going to AJ Brown's going to be. Yeah. Where's AJ's money at? Right. You know, Sixty right. years from now. Oh, nice. All right. Well, we're going to close the show off with a little sideshow topic. If I were a betting man. All right. Now, an episode or two ago, I brought up a line, the over under on games one in the NFC East. Right. And we had the Cowboys at ten and a half, the Eagles at eight and a half, the Redskins at seven and a half and the Giants at seven. And right. we both agreed the soft line there was the Giants at seven. Yeah, I, I I would say that was a lay down. Yes, for sure. You think it's still the soft line? You know what? I think it probably still is. And you nail, absolutely nail the number five and number seven pick in the draft. For sure. And that's got to make your team better. But I don't think it could make them that much better. The only way they're going to get... Above that seven is for Daniel Jones's game to, to be really, much better. Really elevate. Yeah, and that's a possibility. Sure, you know, sure. I mean, I don't know how much time he's had to throw. I it's good they picked much. up an offensive lineman because yeah. they, they desperately needed And Barkley should one. be back. Right, Saquon Barkley should be back, so that should help at least throw a little question into the every play. You know, they could run this 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 down sure whereas sure. The, you know without Barkley it's like no they're not gonna run they're definitely gonna pass yeah so it, are those two picks enough to push them over seven I don't think so it, you know especially I, with their strength of schedule I remember you reading off some of the teams that they were playing outside the NFC East yeah yeah it did not look uh like a very soft schedule right exactly so I still I still think that's the the number to go at Dallas at seven ten and a half you know, that's that's <coughs> that that I think that's a good line because yeah. it could be ten, it could be eleven. 
I think the Eagles should be over on the eight and a half. Yeah, now here's what's interesting. That line didn't move. Everyone said that the Eagles had a great draft. Right. But that line stays at eight and a half. Yeah. So, you know, would you be more confident in taking the over? I would be a little I would be a little more confident. I understand how it might not have moved because we go from a last place schedule to a playoff team schedule. Right. And looking at, you know, their schedule, let's say I, I would expect in the NFC East the Eagles at minimum to split, but I would expect them to go four and two. I think that's fair. Yeah. Let's say you Split with the Cowboys, split with the Redskins, and take two from the Giants. Right, right. Or, you know, you lose two to the Cowboys. And you could sweep the other two. But you could sweep the Redskins and the Giants. So if they go into their non-division schedule at four and two, here's the home games they have. Yeah. So Green Bay. They're probably going to lose that. I think that's a loss. Especially with our non-acquisitions of Safety and cornerback. Right, yeah. Uh, Air Raid Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers could just carve that up. He might have six touchdowns by halftime. With Christian Watson. Yeah. So the Vikings. That's a that's a toss-up, but let's say they lose that. Right. Yeah. Jaguars. We're going to take that one. I think that's a win, it, although it is a Doug Peterson grudge match. Tennessee Titans. That's going to be a tough one. That's and, another I mean, I, tough one. I would one. mark that as a loss. Right. Saints. I think that's a W. I think that's a win. Pittsburgh, I think that's a W. That's a tough one. I think they're really in a rebuild year. Yeah, I agree. What always scares me about that is their D has always been so tough. Pittsburgh's D is tough. Yeah. But I think that goes goes in as a win. Right. So of the of those six home games, I think we're three and three. So that puts us at seven and five. Right. Seven and five coming into five away games. Where we've got the Bears. That's a win. I think that's a W. The Lions. I think that's, that's a, a W. Win. Texans. That's a win. I think that's a W. And then we've got the Colts and Cardinals. Probably losses, but you never know. I mean. Let's put them down as losses. Right. So that puts them at three and two on the road for. So that puts us at 10 and seven. 10 and seven. So you still. Even with, I think, kind of being conservative on those wins. Yeah. Like, I think we could take one from the Cardinals or the Colts. Right. Mm-hmm. And I really don't see us losing to a team like the Texans or the Jaguars right. or the Bears. And it's hard for me to imagine that we don't go 4-2 and two in the NFC. East. Yeah. And let's say we go 3-3. Three and three. Then that takes us to 9-8. and eight. We're still above the 8.5. So I like that over That's a pretty on good line over on the 8.5 yeah. this year. Sounds good, DB. Awesome show. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Bear.